I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world-leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hello and a warm welcome back to this week's episode of the Face Yoga Expert podcast. So here on the Face Yoga Expert podcast, we deep dive into all things wellness, health, yoga and beauty. And I share with you a whole combination of tips and techniques and speak to experts that are very best in their field. And this week, my lovely, lovely guest is Angela Foster. She's a functional nutritionist practitioner and executive health and performance coach. She is an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to wellness and health. And in this week's episode, she talks about her story from being quite chronically ill to recovering. And she talks us through how we can reverse our biological age, which I think is so, so interesting. So I know you're going to absolutely love this podcast. And just a little reminder for you that I am going to be doing a live Zoom workshop in March. So it's Sunday the 6th of March and it's two hours. And during this workshop, which is all focused on ultimate natural face lifting techniques, you're going to learn more about how face yoga works and then use some facial exercises for each area of the face. They're really help lift and firm and sculpt. And the session will also include some facial massage, we'll go into positive affirmations, and we're going to also finish with some Reiki healing meditation. So it's this really lovely combination of naturally lifting the face with relaxation. And the best thing about it is you'll get a full recording of the two-hour workshop. So it's yours to keep as a masterclass. You can use it as often as you like, as many times as you like. But if you can't make it, don't worry. Just book for the workshop and we will just make sure we send you a recording two days after and then you've got that recording to do in your own time. So you can just go ahead and book it. So if you just go to faceyogaexpert.com slash sessions and I'll also put the link in the show notes for you. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with the lovely Angela. Angela, a warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Danielle. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you. And we recorded for your podcast a few months ago, which I know will be coming out at some point this year. So we already know each other well, and we've been chatting before we started recording too. So I already know a little bit about your story and sort of your journey into wellness, but I would love to just kick off right away by you sharing with us all a little bit about why you do what you do and how your journey took you to the point you're in now. 
Yeah, I'd love to share that. Thank you. And I love absolutely loved our podcast together on my show too. So it was it's a bit of a kind of checkered route into health actually that I had because um I was we were chatting about there. Originally I was a corporate lawyer in London working super long hours and I kind of disrespect well, I suppose all lawyers actually to be honest in London, we disrespect sleep and just carried on pushing through with all nighters, weekends of work. And I'd always been kind of pretty fit, you know, I used to cycle into work, do a workout before work, care about nutrition but didn't really know much beyond that and certainly wasn't looking after my mental health at the time but kind of just going with the flow and I think in your 20s you're quite invincible to a degree but then when I got to 28 I was diagnosed with PCOS and endometriosis and I became aware of the link between PCOS and insulin resistance and we had a really strong family history of type 2 diabetes and kidney disease and it was a wake-up call for me because I was thinking gosh I'm only 28 years old here I am diagnosed with this all Already being prescribed metformin, which was a diabetic drug, I really need to do something about it. So I started reading and researching all about nutrition and the interplay between female hormones and the way I was eating and managed to kind of, after some surgery, which you and I are chatting about, get it under control. And fortunately, went on to have three beautiful children in a very short space of time because the PCOS and endometriosis, you know, was kind of potentially threatening my fertility. So after surgery, I was advised to have them close together, which they actually came a little bit closer than I'd been planning on. So I had three kids in in four and a half years. And I actually made partnership at the law firm when I was eight months pregnant with my first child. So life was chaotic, to say the least. And the thing that I hadn't really anticipated was I struggled with postnatal depression. And it got worse with each child until eventually after my third child, I was on very strong bipolar medication under the care of a psychiatrist at the Priory Hospital and really, really struggling with, you know, suicidal thoughts and really just in this situation where I just wanted to turn off the voice in my head and these thoughts of suicide that kept coming. But at the same time, I just didn't want to. I was kind of in this catch-22, like, what can I do? I wanted to run away from myself, but then how could I leave my kids and my family and my kids grow up knowing that I was going, they were going to be the one whose mum took their own life? And so I was in this awful situation. And things got really bad until my children actually got ill with a, a flu and a cough. And then I picked it up and ended up getting double pneumonia. And I was hospitalised with it and basically told I can't go and pick them up from school. I couldn't leave the hospital after a CT scan and was urgently admitted. And that was like the break point. I think often people talk, don't they, that sometimes bad things happen for you to make a real profound change. And that was a real triggering event for me. And in hospital, I remember finally feeling at peace with myself and I hadn't for so long. And I was thinking, I'm actually okay. And I then decided at that point that if I got better, I was going to really get myself into the best health and shape of my life and be there for my children and see them grow up. And it wasn't an easy process. You know, it took to try and optimize your physical and mental and spiritual health, because I do believe it's a three pillared approach, isn't easy. And I retrained in nutrition and health coaching and performance coaching. And at first, it was really my own journey of how can I get really healthy? And then I started to look at it. And I was in that fortunate situation where my husband had a great job. I could now really focus on my health. So I left law. But then I sort of saw that actually I could be really successful 
and I could be really healthy, but I hadn't been able to unify the two. And that's why this concept that I developed of high performance health was really born, was how can you really achieve high performance and optimized health and longevity at the same time? And I realized that actually optimal health is the foundation of sustained high performance in business and life. And so from there on now, you know, I work with predominantly women, but lots of people across the world through my programs and my coaching to help them optimize their health. That's such an inspiring story. And there's so much within that I want to chat about. But something which I'd love to just get into straight away is longevity. Now, on this podcast, we talk a lot about health and wellness. And we also talk about how we can naturally help our skin to look healthy, glowing, youthful, but just to look really great for our age. But longevity is such an important part of that. And it's often a part that's overlooked when it comes to looking our best self. So I would love you to share with us a few tips about how we can really reverse our biological age, how we can start to look and feel really healthy, not just for now, but for the next 10 years, for the next 20 years, for the next 50 years. Yeah, I'd love to share that. And I think that's one of the most exciting areas of science that's developing at the moment, which is, you know, we can, as you say, reverse our biological age. And so we have our chronological age, which is referenced by the the day and the year that we were born. And we have our biological age. And that can now be measured through things like DNA methylation and looking at epigenetics, which is the expression of our genes. And there are various tests that are coming out to try and help people understand how they're aging. But there are a few things that listeners can do to really optimize their longevity and lower that biological age. And they fall into kind of five key categories. So the first one, and this is the one that, as I say, I totally disrespected, is sleep. Sleep is so important. It's anti-aging. You know, when we talk about beauty sleep, we think of, you know, is is it really real? It absolutely is. So when you get into your 40s, one of the key times that human growth hormone is produced, which helps anti-age your skin, it helps you build muscle tissue, Um, It helps with your gut health and renewing the gut lining, which we think is renewed about every 10 days. Predominantly, that is now only really produced when you're in deep sleep. And so one of the best things you can do is to really have a very good sleep and circadian rhythm routine. And that involves going to bed and waking up at around the same time each day and also not eating close to bedtime because we know that human growth hormone isn't produced in as many quantities or as much quantity when there is the presence of insulin. So one of the key things is to make sure that you're having that last meal in the evening about three to four hours hours before you go to bed, which kind of brings me actually neatly on to the next point that that people should be doing, which is too fast. So we want to be fasting on a daily basis. Lots of people are constantly eating and it's amazing. A lot of people don't realize that they're snacking all day long. Even if it's healthy snacks, they'll have something at their desk. You know, I had a client recently, she was snacking on like bits of broccoli, but she's still snacking. We want to give our digestive system a break and that's really, really important. And so what I say is universally, and you'll see this in children because they do it very effectively from the age of four or five, is everyone should be having a 12 hour overnight fast. Unless there's 
some special reason, like, you know, you're managing your blood sugar and your type one diabetic, for example, but pretty much everybody else can do a 12 hour fast overnight. Whether you go for longer or not really comes down to the amount of stress in your life, whether you're pre or post menopausal, whether you're a man or a woman, because a lot of the studies on longer fast have been done on overweight sedentary men. But generally for women, it works very well and optimally hormonally if they're doing somewhere around a 12 to 14 hour fast. And that helps to our body to do a lot of repair work. It helps us to keep our insulin lower. And we know that blood sugar dysregulation is one of the key things that can age us. So there are two things that we want to be controlling when we're thinking about food, and that is blood sugar regulation and inflammation. And so we want to try and customize our diet to make sure that it is anti-inflammatory in nature and that we're keeping our blood glucose very stable. Um, So that would then bring me in, you know, you, you want to optimize your sleep. You want to make sure you've got a fast fasting period, which is a form of hormesis, and there are other forms that you can use. And then the third thing is to make sure that you're eating really, really nutrient-dense whole foods, which again, benefit the health of your skin, but also help a process known as methylation in the body. So we want to have lots of like folate-rich foods, cruciferous vegetables, sulfur-containing foods from things like leeks and onions and garlic that help with liver detoxification, alongside all the colorful foods that you see, like different types of berries, for example, they're very high in polyphenols and our healthy gut bacteria feed off those polyphenols, but they also donate electrons. And so they're really powerful antioxidants and help to reduce that burden of oxidative stress in the body. So that's one thing I would say. And as part of that nutrition, you and and listeners can have a look at this. If you look at Sichuan enhancing compounds, there is this special category of these foods that basically help to activate our longevity genes. And the cool thing about these foods is that the Sichuan enhancing compounds don't just activate longevity, but they also enhance our metabolism. And these are things like raw cacao, so having like dark chocolate, really good for you. Having ECGC from green tea or matcha is a very concentrated form of it. Turmeric, you can take that. You can add that to food or you can, it's quite, you need to have something like black pepper with turmeric to make it more bioavailable, but you can take curcumin in, which is the active ingredient in supplement form. Those kind of foods, resveratrol from red wine, these actually activate these situants. So the more nutrient dense foods we can get alongside some healthy doses of protein that's going to actually help to build healthy skin and muscle tissue as well and also neurotransmitters that we're getting from sources of protein and and I do actually I don't know about you Danielle but I also supplement with collagen because I think that's really important for healthy skin as well I don't know if that's something that you use I do yeah I love a brand called rejuvenated and they do collagen shots and it's um yeah I do that every evening I think it's it's really fantastic Yeah. So that's definitely something that um, I would include. And I think having lots, you know, decent amount of protein as well, when you're building muscle tissue, because our muscle mass declines from around the age of 30 upwards, we want to keep supporting muscle protein synthesis. So if we're having enough protein in our diet, we'll be helping to do that. And I think that having also other ingredients like bone broth, the collagen that's in that, and the glycine can really help the health of your gut. It really helps your skin as well. So incorporating those foods, eggs, which contain choline, also support the methylation cycle and are really good for neurotransmitter um, function and brain health. But what we see is a lot of the diseases that we're seeing that threaten our longevity. So things like heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, or other forms of dementia, type two diabetes, 
a lot of them do seem to stem from poor blood sugar control and metabolic disease and inflammation. So if we can control those two things, we'll be going a really long way to enhancing our longevity. And what we see in the blue zones, which are these pockets across the world with the longest lived people and the highest number of centenarians who live to 100 and super centenarians who live to 110 plus, is that they're not living longer with these diseases. They're actually warding off the development of these diseases in the first place. So the more we can kind of nail these things, it helps with our longevity. And then the other two pillars to get right really is movement. So 30 minutes of moderate exercise five times a week has been shown to really enhance longevity. And there's a really interesting study that's just come out with Dr. Cara Fitzgerald, where she took a, a group of men, it's now going to be used in women, it's just they're harder to study with the different hormones that, that women have going on in, in their monthly cycle, is that that moderate exercise with a 12-hour overnight fast, having these methylation and sirtuin enhancing compounds um, has been shown to reverse biological age. And there's a few other things that they did in this study What's super interesting is that in an eight-week study, they were actually able to reverse these individuals' biological age by almost three and a half years, just in eight weeks, which is pretty staggering when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, really amazing. And that, and that exercise is actually moderate. So when I say moderate, we're talking about a brisk walk, for example. So you can still hold a conversation, but you might not be able to speak as freely as you and I are now, for example. But doing some strength training, obviously, and supporting that muscle tissue on top is going to be even better. And then the last one is really lowering stress. Stress does age us, sadly. And so we want to have lots of strategies at our disposal that we can use to really reduce that stress. And, and one of the most protective hormones that's really been designed to support us in times of stress is oxytocin. And, you know, you'll be familiar with this from having children yourself, that you have oxytocin released when you're nursing your baby. But also if you pet a dog, if you look into someone's eyes, oxytocin is released. And oxytocin is actually very important for cardiovascular health as well. And so we want to be ensuring that we get enough oxytocin. So that kind of showing or sharing of love and gratitude can really help with that and using other kind of breathing techniques as well. But those would be the kind of five key things that I would say, if you can nail those, you're going to be going a long way to enhancing your longevity. Absolutely. I think they're amazing, amazing tips. And on the flip side of things, I'd be really interested to hear from your point of view, and it could be from your professional experience or personal experience through scientific studies. What link do you often see between things like issues with our mental health and then our internal and external aging because definitely the last two years I don't think there's been anyone whose mental health hasn't suffered in some aspect in some way whether it be for a tiny amount of time for a few days or much much bigger trauma do you think there's a, a direct link there between that and our biological age? There does seem to be growing research around mental health and ageing and even things like depression uh, exacerbating risk for things like dementia and certainly around sort of menopause age seems to be a triggering event 
for women in terms of dementia as well. Even though it's not then diagnosed for maybe 20 years later, the signs and the things that happen to you, that that process is put in place decades before you necessarily see strong symptoms. And so I think that, yes, there is growing research coming out. And I think optimising our mental health is so important. I think it has been really difficult, as you know, over the last two years. And we've been socially distanced, which makes releasing things like oxytocin even harder because that is the cuddle hormone. And it basically, oxytocin is designed there for us to seek out affection. And particularly amongst women, we would have been when doing that ancestrally as well. So I think that the more you can build that social cohesiveness and community that supports your mental health and the ability to talk to other people, it's really important for longevity. And it's an interesting thread. So when you look at these blue zones, which are very diverse because we have places like Okinawa in Japan, Sardinia in Italy, they're quite spread out. There's another place in California. What they found is it wasn't any one particular diet they were eating these individuals eat local food whole foods they're not exposed to kind of monocrop farming and lots of pesticides and things they exercise regularly in this moderate form but they have this social cohesion where everyone from grandparents right down to babies is respected within society and has a role and that's really the common thread that and although it wasn't in every single one commonly olive oil actually was one of the the things that they did seem to eat but that social connection so I think for anyone that's listening to this you know is so and I know from my own experience with depression it's it's very difficult you know mine was a very secret battle I didn't want anybody to know about it and so I kind of would just sort of hide away if you like because I didn't know how to talk about it I thought I was going to burst into tears if anyone spoke to me on the school run you know it was hard enough just trying to get out of bed it used to take my son an hour and a half on some days to pull me out of bed saying you know mummy mummy we're going to be late and I feel terrible about that now but I was trying to to get well and I think for anyone suffering with mental health it is really difficult but the more that you can seek out support the better it is and in some cases like mine you know you may need medication just to help you to do that inner work which can be so hard to do it and, and use that as a platform really for you to help um, heal yourself as much as you can absolutely i think they're really really important tips and advice you give there and i would love to talk just a little bit more about nutrition if you were to share with us, say, three top tips when it comes to improving our nutrition, because I think wherever we are on the nutritional spectrum, so to speak, all of us could definitely nourish ourselves even further. So there are sort of three tips, perhaps, that you could share with us. Yeah, so I would say the first thing is look for colour. If you're looking for colour, you're going to be picking up a lot of these polyphenols and antioxidant compounds that, that we need for the health of our bodies, but also our gut bacteria. And we have more um, bacteria DNA than we have human DNA in our bodies. So you're helping both there. So if you can go and really seek out colour, and I would always encourage people to crowd out rather than restrict. I think when we try to restrict things, it can be very difficult. It can lead to things like cravings because we're denying ourselves. Whereas actually, if you're putting in a lot of diversity and you're feeling fuller, um, you're less likely to crave some of the bad foods. So I would say, first of all, go and look for color in the form of whole foods. And then the second thing I would say is remove seed oils from your diet. 
So they're very pro-inflammatory and they're causing a lot of inflammation in people's bodies. And when we look at like the omega-3 and 6 balance that we should have, we should have a ratio of around omega-6 to omega-3, this is, of somewhere around 3 to 1 or even ideally 1 to 1. But actually what we're seeing in things like the standard American diet or the standard English diet is that we're seeing ratios of 15 to 1, in some cases as high as 30 to 1. And this is causing a lot of inflammation. And there are um, oils and things that are touted as healthy, like rapeseed oil, or it's called canola oil in the US, that are not. And they go through a lot of chemical, even if they're cold-pressed, they go through a lot of chemical extraction processes and use of things like hexanes that mean that they're oxidized by the time they reach us. So I'd say look for anti-inflammatory fats, things like olive oil, coconut oil, grass-fed organic butter in moderate amounts, flaxseed oil, for example, lots of nuts. And if you can soak and ferment seeds and nuts as well, they're going to be a lot more bioavailable to you in terms of that nutrition. But definitely lowering the intake of these inflammatory fats is really important. And then I would say alongside that, you want to be controlling your blood sugar through your nutrition. So if you're having lots of these polyphenol rich foods, which are high in fiber because they're whole foods, that's going to be really helping. If you're reducing inflammation, what you now want to do is control blood sugar. And again, that is through avoiding processed foods, but also increasing the healthy fats we've talked about, which help you feel associated and also really good sources of protein. So grass fed, pasture raised meats as much as you can, wild fish, um, much harder to get hold of now with restrictions on on um, fishing and things, but as much as you can and lots of omega-3. So you want to go for small fish, oily fish. And if you use the acronym SMASH, that will help you remember which ones to go for. So SMASH stands for sardines, mackerel, anchovies, salmon and herrings. And those fish are small in terms of their size in the food chain. So they don't have a big accumulation of things like mercury, which are toxic, but they are very high in omega-3. So those can really help you as well. And so incorporating those types of foods would be my key thing. And the protein obviously helps with that muscle mass. And if you've got decent muscle mass and you're doing some strength training, your metabolic rate can be up to seven times faster because muscle burns more calories than fat. It's also a reservoir of amino acids that you can use in times of increased immunity. The stronger you are, the better you have to resist viral infections, bacterial infections, and also things like um, cancer treatment, for example. So we want to make sure we've got sufficient muscle mass. And muscle is an organ of longevity for that reason. And it helps improve insulin sensitivity. So you're going to have more places to take up that glucose rather than it being stored as body fat. So those, those would be my key areas to focus on nutritionally. I think they're wonderful, wonderful tips. And I'm really intrigued to know a little bit more about your daily wellness routine. Are there any particular rituals or routines you do say morning or evening or do you do the morsel throughout the day? Let us know a bit about that. Yeah, so I do actually. I like um, morning routine was a big thing in my uh, recovery from from depression actually and so one of the things I one of the first things I do when I wake up there are two things is meditation and gratitude those are like my kind of anchor for the day or my rock if you like and I've definitely had to learn to really reframe my thoughts but for anyone listening that struggled with depression your first thought in the morning can be very very negative that you don't want to get out of bed and and I was told that I would be on bipolar meds for the rest of my life and it took me a long time but I have now been free of 
active medication for coming up to three years. And part of that process has been to really reframe my thoughts and the way that I think about things. And I found that going inwards has been the best way to help me with that and also practicing gratitude, which I think is so powerful and interestingly is also backed up by scientific literature in terms of enhancing mental health and longevity. So really important. There's a few ways you can do it. You can write down the things you're grateful for. You can think about them. You know, if you're really rushed in the morning, just thinking as you get out of bed on your way to the bathroom of three things you're grateful for as you're walking can be a really effective thing to do. Writing it down, I think, is really powerful. And actually writing down what you're grateful for and why you're grateful for it. And then going back and reading the list. Funnily enough, reading what you wrote actually releases that oxytocin and and really helps you to feel much more connected. So that's something that I found very powerful is to actually go back and read the gratitude list after I've written it and include why. But meditation and gratitude and early morning movement in some form or another. So whether that's doing a little bit of yoga in the summer months, it's a bit dark at the moment. I'll go out for a walk, but I like to do some form of fasted exercise and other days I'll mix that up with sauna or strength training, but I tend to do any high intensity work a little bit later in the day just because cortisol is already quite high in the morning and so I don't want to like over raise cortisol too much at that point of the day. That makes sense. They have amazing routine. I love that. And it's really nice to hear what a difference that made for you. And congratulations coming off your medication as well. That's that's wonderful. And, you know, it's it's great that you're able to speak about that because I think that medita- um, meditation, of course, but also medication, both of those things have, play such an important part in our, in our mental health. So it's really nice you're able to talk about these natural therapies and cures, but also how you did have to use medication for a while, so, which I think is a really important message. Thank you, Daniel. And I think for people listening, I think they can really they worry about it and they feel like they shouldn't take it. And I think if it's a tool to help you get better and to do the other work, because it can be, you can be in such a difficult place like I was that you don't, you can't see a way out. And, you know, it's, it's easier. The reason I share it now is really to help others because I think you can help to heal people from scars, but not really from wounds. And it's very difficult when you're in that situation to talk about it. But I think sometimes if we, we can't access the wellness naturally that we need from a mental health perspective then taking medication short term can be as I say a bit of a platform just to help you to get back on track. Absolutely completely agree and I'd love you to leave us with one final thought or tip really related to inner peace so if you could share with us maybe one thing that you really live by to help you feel that sense of deep internal calm and relaxation, what would it be? It would be looking at whether I'm in alignment or not. So I think sometimes we do things, we say things, we can eat things because, you know, with cravings, because we've actually fallen out of alignment with our highest values. And I think just taking that time to connect with yourself And if you feel a bit off, generally, there is a thought that took place that made you feel that way. And so kind of tracking it back. And so 
to develop this understanding of when you feel at peace. And one of the best ways I've found to access peace in any moment is through breath work. So just closing your eyes and breathing, even using something like the 2x breath, where you just start very gently breathing in for two and out for two, and then in for three and out for three a few times. So you're not doing in for two, out for two, in for three, out for three, but doing it gently and slowly. So a few breaths in for two and out for two, and then a few more in for three and out for three, and then elongating it further in for four and out for four. You can then, that's a really nice segue into doing things like four, seven, eight breathing, which is really slowing down the breath cycle to kind of four breaths per minute you can really start to connect and calm yourself. And that's been shown to release GABA in the brain. And GABA is a very calming neurotransmitter. It's the opposite to glutamate, which we're releasing lots of when we're all fired up and feeling anxious. And so just using your breath to enhance GABA throughout the day can be a really powerful way to center yourself and access that inner peace. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Angela. And I know my listeners will want to find out more about what you do, the services you offer, follow you on social media. So could you share all of that information with us, please? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I'm always on Instagram is probably the platform I share the most. So Angela S. Foster, someone actually had taken Angela Foster before I got there. So (laughs) it's Angela S. Foster on there. I have for for female listeners, I have a Facebook group. It's a lovely community called Female Biohacker that you can come and join. My podcast is High Performance Health. And if you want to kind of get an overview of your own health and see where you are, then I have an interactive questionnaire that you can fill out that basically will give you a free personalized report going through the five areas that we spoke about and so you can find that at yourtotalhealthcheck.com for anyone who wants to go and have a go with that and get a free report thank you so much angela it's been so insightful and so interesting so thank you again for being a guest on the place yoga expert podcast thanks so much for having me on danielle So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.